Welcome to the Fellowship College Podcast. Today's our last episode of the season. Well, Eileen Janae is back with us today, and yeah. she she just found out that today's our last episode of the season. That literally, was rude. literally three seconds ago, <laughs> she shook her head saying, "No, we we plan for more episodes, but Guys, this is it." I'm upset about this. This decision was made with me gone. You should have Shouldn't used have your time off more wisely. Okay, we're beefing now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so. We, if you've been with us, we've done two episodes of singleness, two episodes of kind of dating, working towards engagement, and now we're on episode two of marriage. And so uh, last week we talked about favorite celebrity couples, but now to make it a little more, our icebreaker a little more serious, I want to know some of y'all's pet peeves when you go to weddings. Like what are the things that kind of irk you? What's the thing? Uh, ick? Is that a thing, yeah, right? Give you the ick. What what kind of things at weddings th- <laughs> That's right, that I you think. go to kind of give you the ick and you're just like, I would never do that. My pet peeve slash ick at a wedding uh, has been one that since the first wedding I went to, I always thought it was weird. And the longer that, or the more weddings that I've gone to, the more I've been convinced of this. Uh, but it's the garter toss. Mm, so true. It is. That's foul. The let's, worst. Let's be the, the let's worst. be the generation that re- gets Removes rid of it. the garden sauce, please. Yeah, it was. I um, I happenstantially wandered into emceeing a wedding one time. I was supposed to just provide oh. some like music, <laughs> st- like sound equipment, and then I ended up emceeing the whole thing. Did and, you have a DJ name? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't have enough time. I just JB. went on the fly. JB. DJ JB. Mm-hmm. Nice. Maybe that'll be my new thing. <laughs> but they had a garter toss like in their order of events. Yeah. And the person who was supposed to be doing the like day of planning, who was slightly falling down on the job, um, she was like telling me like, okay, you're going to have to MC this part. And I said, no, I'm not doing that. And she's like, no, no, you got to do that. I was like, I got to do this. I was like, you can do that if you'd like. I am not emceeing the garter toss. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of cringy. It is every not, time. It's the most cringy. There's not a single time where you're like, oh, that was cute. No. No. <laughs> every Everybody's time like, you're like, when is this going to be I over? I went to close my eyes every time it happens. It's the worst. Yeah. Anyway, that's mine. Be the generation that that gets rid of the garter toss, please. Yes. Gen Z, please don't do please. it. Please. My, mine's a big one. And I'm probably gonna offend some people here, but I don't. I don't care even a little bit. If you live in the state of Texas, do not do an outdoor wedding. Really, <laughs> ev- really ever, but especially during the summer, it's just not worth it. Especially <laughs> as someone who somehow officiates weddings in Texas, I guess that's like my thing nowadays. Do not do an outdoor wedding <laughs> in Texas because either a, it's too hot, b, it's gonna rain. C, it's too windy where the microphone picks up. All you hear is the wind. True. It really just, there maybe is like four days of the year that you could get away with doing a, a wedding outside in Texas. And it's just not worth the risk. So. True. I know that's not going to stop any of you guys from doing this that are <laughs> listening. All you, all my, my Dallas people, you're still going to get married outside in the summer. But I just want to warn you, like, think back. 
to July 26, 2023, when you, when you were, when you were warned not to, <laughs> not to do that. And make sure to ask Josh to be the one who officiates yes. the wedding. <laughs> yes. I do. love driving down to Texas for, for weddings. <laughs> okay. I think I have one, which I've seen at a few weddings, which is more than I thought that I would see this at. Okay. But the, if anyone opposes this union. Oh, oh. wait, yeah. I haven't seen that in a long time. Oh, I have. I really? Have. Yeah. Did you see it last I have. week? No, not last week. <laughs> wait, that's <laughs> oh, still actually, a, yeah, I did. Wait, that's still a thing. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it totally is. And then you, you're coming off this like really sweet moment. Like, like this who gives really this special, woman to be married to this man? Yes. And they're like seeing each other and it's like, like the cutest, like most adorable thing. And then it's like, if anyone wants them to not be married. <laughs> and then there's like 30 seconds of just the most awkward yeah. people are looking around in their seats. Seeing like if they give it standing like up. they give it some time. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm just like, double checking. Yeah. That's terrible. <laughs> I'm like that. If there is someone who opposes that strongly, <laughs> that's got to be worked out before the, the, the altar. To the wedding to oppose the wedding. I, like, I kinda, that is crazy. When I do weddings, I kind of do the opposite where I just remind them, hey, if you're here right now, it means that you are are actively supporting this marriage. Mm. And that's like, I, I, I don't say it like mm -hmm. that that intense, but it's like, hey, remember that today's a celebration, that that if, you, if you've been invited and, and you're here, like you've been asked to to support this this marriage and so i actually have i don't know if i've ever seen i have that i, have I thought it. that was done me was, too and it needs to be done i agree put it away gen z be the gen be just, the kidding. <laughs> just kidding Eileen? um this is just a personal opinion no worries oh my gosh because it happens offend people no be strong <laughs> be angry Eileen. be angry uh, <laughs> um i don't like i don't like the the um like dances that are what's the word for it the oh like uh y'all help me out cha-cha slide like, the cha -cha, yeah. like what are they uh, called the uh i don't like know a, they're like line dances technically yes but it's not they're basically version. line dances oh, well, there's a name for them they're, but they're like the choreographed ones yeah yeah i'm not a fan of those <gasps> but if someone wants How to teach me how to line dance that? i would do it i would do it that'd be fun how could you? People are listening to this, Eileen. Yeah, that is so messed up. Don't you have one an more time. <laughs> you want to know? I don't mind them at all, but you want to know my take on things like the cha cha slide? Please tell me. It's the dances that DJs and/or the people whose wedding it is throw in there for all the people who are not creative or bold enough to dance because that's they're oh, like, yes. that's "Oh, exactly that you right. gave me moves. I can do those moves." Yeah, that's it. That's exactly right. It's the I safest dance. It. And so, if you do them at the beginning, and it does help mm -hmm. get some people out there. Yes. I don't really like them either, but Jacob's completely right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I respect it. I just don't really like it because they last too long. It's true. Yeah, they it's do. True. Okay, we've gone around in circles five times. Yeah. You need to I like can't do, do a fade out or yeah. something. Yeah. Can't play that song all the way through. Also, some wedding tips. The most important part of your your day is the food. And so really take that seriously. That the is not the most important the part food, of the, <laughs> the food. It is the marriage union. Okay. And if yes. you're the ones getting married, make sure you eat that food. Make yes. sure you don't eat be the it ones you miss out and on be, the food. Yeah, be selfish. Like, who cares? It's like, your let, wedding. Let them wait. They yes. can wait. But seriously, the food is going to be what people remember when when they leave that day. Jacob had some great food <laughs> at you. his wedding. I still think about it. That and was so, really good. <laughs> <laughs> see, so good. I told you the most important part of that day was KDK's for sure. Okay, now Shout that out. we... I, I disagree, but... <laughs> 
<laughs> now that we have um, destroyed some people's dreams or hopes or, or now somebody, have regrets from there's their There's somebody wedding. who has a dream marriage that is included all of those things. <laughs> yeah. They're like, we're going to uh, do the garter toss outside you know in Texas. <laughs> and I want to make chicken. sure that everyone there is in support of this wedding. And so... <laughs> Um, it is your day. Do whatever you want on your wedding day. There we go. Within some boundaries. Yes. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do, do you think there's okay. some boundaries there? Okay, okay, guys. This is, we are eight minutes in. We need to. Welcome <laughs> back, Eileen. Eileen, <laughs> will you make the transition into what we're talking about today? Uh, um, yeah. So, so now. <laughs> uh -huh. You can't put me on the spot like that. Um, now that we've talked about. Um, <laughs> what have we talked about? <laughs> marriage uh wedding days oh. um what the wedding day is the start of the marriage and we're gonna talk about marriage <laughs> nice well, well done hey that was at wow. least a six out of nice. ten right okay josh is shaking his head please um, <laughs> anyways like we said last week was more about the kind of foundation of of what we consider marriage especially from a christian perspective and so today we we recognize that the, the vast majority of our listeners are not married and are in, in college, maybe not, not dating. Maybe, maybe marriage is not even on the horizon for a lot of you. And that's great. And so today we wanted to, to make some practicals to say some practicals about what it would look like to, uh, for lack of a better word, pr prepare yourself for a future marriage, whether you're single or dating right now, what are some of the things that, that you can be doing now that's going to make you a, a great husband someday, a great wife someday? Again, remember, going back and listening to the whole, we've given our hot takes time and time and time again that the Christian life is not about marriage, mm -hmm. but we also understand that, that a lot of you will end up being married someday. And so, so maybe just we'll, we'll keep it vague and general at first, what are some of the things that these college students can be doing right now to prepare them to be a good husband and a good wife somewhere down the road? A piece of advice that somebody gave me while I was in college to kind of prepare for marriage um, and not just like a something to do before you get into marriage and then it kind of ends, but rather something that you can continue, you will continue doing in marriage is to, while you're in college, if at all possible, live with at least a roommate or roommates. Uh, and so this was like a really obviously practical piece of advice, but a big reason for why they gave me that advice was because obviously whenever you're married, you are living with someone full time. Uh, you also, if you end up having children, will have even more roommates, but kind of in a different dynamic. And so living with people, um, is oftentimes not easy, especially if you're wired a certain way. Some people actually really love like living alone, um, whenever they're in college, uh, before they get married. Uh, and I have seen a couple of people that I know be wired that way and do that. And whenever you, they get married and they start living with somebody, it is like, a world shattering event uh, because whenever you live with roommates, you're going to come across all types of situations where there's going to be conflict. And so it's going to provide you opportunity to practice conflict resolution in a really good way. Uh, it's going to provide you opportunity to practice what Paul says in Ephesians five is this sacrificial love, this like yielding to another person 
with your roommates, um, whether it's, you know, doing the dishes that they leave out or cleaning up something, or if you know that they really like something for dinner, you make it for them. Thinking about how can I put others ahead of myself in this situation? Uh, and so those are just like some things that come up whenever you have roommates, not to mention just existing around another person, letting them see you at your worst oftentimes. Uh, and whenever you don't have that in college, but then you do get married, especially if you, if it happens like kind of right as you're coming out of college, uh, that can be really hard. And so I'm one that would much rather have roommates anyway. So that was my plan all along, but I have just being a couple months into marriage now have seen that play out a ton. Like literally a situation will happen with KT and I, and it makes me think of something that happened with roommates that I had. And I'm like, wow, I have a framework to think through this. And so I I thought that was a super helpful piece of practical advice that I could do before marriage, but it actually bleeds into marriage. That's good. You don't realize that you have all these different expectations and a lot of them are just from your upbringing, like things that your family did or your parents did or how you grew up and you bring in all these expectations and you think, okay, this is the way to do laundry. This is the way to that clean. Here's my rhythms for, for waking up and for going to bed and for doing all these chores. And here's what I'm gonna do in my free time. And you don't realize that you, that you have all these expectations and in your mind, you think, at least I did, this is the way that people do stuff. And then what, what, what happens in marriage if, if you didn't have really any roommates or you were kind of separated, you didn't, didn't really like cross paths much with them is you get into marriage and you realize, oh, this other person has a, a whole different set of expectations. Like her dad was the one that always took out the trash and, and did the dishes, but my mom was the one that did that. And so you literally go in with these expectations of like, oh, I just assume this is the way that everybody did that. And so like Jacob's saying, if you have like are doing life with other people, if you have roommates, it actually helps a ton to realize like, oh my gosh, okay, this is how two of us can come into this same living space and have completely different backgrounds and completely different expectations and learn through communication and through, uh, as Paul would say, this kind of like uh, mutual submission to one another and reverence for Christ. Like, like, Hey, this is how we can, can learn to, to live well together and actually help each other and doing nothing out of selfish ambition, like in humility, count the other person more significant than ourselves. Like it really is great practice. Or even if you never get married, it's really sanctifying and it really like humbles you and helps you to follow Jesus even better. Yeah. I'm glad that you tacked that um, there on the end, Josh, because I mean, as Christians, as a follower of Jesus, that means that we are to live a life of submission to one another and to be yielding to one another, Um, not just husbands and wives, but to everyone that you come across if you claim to be a follower of Jesus. And so, you know, by living with someone, um, roommates, or, you know, if you end up getting married, then your spouse or everyone else that you come across, your coworkers, your classmates, teachers, if you can start practicing what it looks like to yield to them and to serve them well, that's just good practice. Like that is just 
a way that you can glorify the Lord. And, and yeah, then when you do get into marriage, if that's what the Lord has for you, then you're going to be, I don't know, just better practiced (laughs) and, um, seeing it in a new light because it'll be so much, um, I guess more, uh, frequent when you are living life daily with someone. So I, uh, (laughs) before I got married to Lauren, I had this roommate for, we're probably roommates for at least a year and a half, maybe closer to two, two years. And we lived in the upstairs of the K life house when I was living in Dallas. And I mean, it was a tiny little apartment and it was pretty janky. Sorry if any board members are listening, but (laughs) it it was pretty, it was a pretty janky apartment and it was tiny. And my friend, I'll, I'll name him because I've told this to his face. My friend, John David, is the most high maintenance human being of all time. Like, and and again, it all came from a lot of his upbringing, but holy cow, he was <laughs> so specific about every rhythm, every routine, everything had a place. Like if you got in the way of any of these like routines and rhythms and expectations that he had for for the, this room. And again, we're like, we have two beds in this room and that's about all that could fit in there. And so we were just in each other's space all the time. And it was hysterical. And he's like one of my best friends still to this day. It was so funny. Cause with, I was just like, okay, like learning all these things. And then when I got married, people were talking about, and again, I don't subscribe to this, but I heard people say that, oh, like women are high maintenance. And I was like, listen, I had the most high maintenance roommate that's ever existed. Marriage was a breeze because I had two years of, of preparation and Lauren and Lauren is like nothing compared to John David when it comes to, to being high maintenance. And so John David, if you're listening, bro, you already know, like, so <laughs> thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Yeah, I just really felt like I needed to get that off my yeah, chest. Yeah, yeah. The Holy Spirit was prompting you. Um, Anyway, and and he's married now, and his wife's also high maintenance, and so they do great together. It's awesome. Um, anyways, <laughs> so like we're saying, one way to to really prepare yourself to for a future marriage someday is to to be in community, to to live in in close contact with, and and you're gonna see why that helps you is because you're gonna kind of there's gonna be some tension, and there's gonna be Sometimes when your expectations of how things should go don't line up. And so how would you say, how can someone in college right now learn how to do conflict well with, with the people around them? Yes. I think friendships are really important in that way. Um, I think college is one of the first times that you actually are maybe starting to build new friendships from the ground up and also learn how to be a good friend so that you can actually sustain this relationship with this person. Um, And what I see a lot in college friendships is that you're kind of figuring this out for the first time. And so you have this, maybe this expectation that things are always supposed to be really good or that you're never supposed to argue and Mm. um if there's a little bit of conflict in that relationship that you're like whoa I thought you were my friend like we should not be arguing um and then ends up to this 
goes this quick, like, okay, like, I guess you're, we're not friends anymore. And just breaking off the relationship without even trying to talk through it. But that's not how relationships work. And that's not an expectation that we should put on our relationship. Um, so I think learning how to actually address conflict in our relationship, number one, knowing that it's okay and that it actually happens mm. in every healthy relationship, that conflict is not something that just goes away because we love each other. Um, so if you have are having conflict with a friend, don't shy away from it and don't assume that it's that it's wrong. Like it is okay to have conflict with someone that you care about. Um, and that's actually how you sustain healthy relationships with anyone. Um, so don't just throw a friendship out the window because there's conflict there. Um, learn how to build a relationship that lasts for years. And the way that you do that is to actually move through conflict instead of around it. So that is a really easy way to just learn how to be, to love someone through a disagreement or something that comes up in a relationship. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing you say is one, have a, uh, a long-term view of the potential friendship or the friendship that you're in that you're cultivating and not just uh, kind of floating along and we'll see what happens because that gives more buy-in and then yeah, being proactive in the conflict part. And I even think, with, with friendships in any relationship that is recurring, that is very important. But I think even college is a great opportunity to learn how to have conflicting, proactive conversations, even with people who aren't necessarily your friends, like in class or other people that you come across who might share a very different perspective than you mm-hmm. on literally anything. I mean, it could be faith, life, politics. Like you will most likely run into situations in class settings like conversations or you know if you're at a social event hanging out with talking with somebody and to take advantage of those and learn to can still disagree maybe with what they have to say but learn how to conversate with the mentality of I'm trying to understand uh and and talk back and forth as to why we have these rather than convince or completely dismiss um it's really easy to not do that uh, and I think it, it gets highlighted and celebrated a little bit just in our in media culture. And so the, the atmosphere is almost uh, built against that. Um, but if you can do that, that will serve you very well in marriage because there will be things that whenever, if you get married, that you and your spouse disagree on or see things differently. And there will also be things that come up that you had no idea that you're like, oh my gosh, we're on two different planets whenever it comes to something like this. And so having some of that practice, even with non-friends, I think could be really helpful. I feel like this is so countercultural to the idea of actually having a form of conflict resolution with people. I feel like our culture is like, oh man, I, you know, I'm the main character. If someone doesn't agree with me, then I'm just going to brush them off and then they're toxic and I, I don't want them in my life and whatever. And I'm going to keep living and, and only want the good things. And you know, what we're not saying is if there is a really unhealthy relationship in your life that you shouldn't, you know, maybe dig into that and and process through that and figure out, okay, is this something that's good and and healthy? But for the, the times when, oh, maybe this person that, you know, I'm starting to build a relationship with, whether it be a friend or a romantic relationship, if you, it, when, when you come across these smaller conflicts, it's helpful to learn how to navigate that. And, you know, you can go and look at, um, I think it's Matthew 18 where it talks about conflict, um, and, and what that looks like specifically and how to navigate that. But if you are in the habit of avoiding conflict and, and I'm, I'm just going to throw that out there. I hate conflict. Like 
I'm not nine on the Enneagram, but I, I could be close to one. Um, but I, I just, I don't like bringing things up. I don't want to make people uncomfortable. Um, but if that's something that we're constantly fleeing from and not being willing to step into those hard conversations, if when you do get married, you have to deal with that. Like you can't just give up on that relationship and walk away. You're making a covenant before the Lord saying that you are going to stay in this marriage through thick or thin. And, and that's something that you have to deal with. And if you don't, then that's going to go downhill really, really quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's really good. One of the, one of the, the ways to grow in this, like Ailey is saying is to first recognize some of your conflict patterns that you have uh, there's four main ones, actually. One of them is withdraw, where when conflict comes, your immediate instinct is, is to like run the opposite way, whether that's ignore it or cut off the relationship or, or whatever that is, like, or just say, oh, that's okay. Oh, that's okay. It's not a big deal. Even if it is a big deal, that's withdraw. The other one on the opposite side of withdraw is escalate. There's people out there who actually love conflict a little too much. And, and when conflict comes, they're like, okay, yeah, we're going to like, we're going to battle this out and we're going to like figure this out. And there's, again, to all these actually have some pros and cons to it, but these are some of like the, the unhealthy sides to that is that a lot of times when people escalate, they're not seeing the other person involved and they're, they're only seeing this, like, I just have a, I just got to get to a solution and I'm not seeing the other, the other person. Then the other two are actually invalidate this is like kind of a defense mechanism where if someone brings up something, whether it's a roommate, a friend or like a boyfriend, girlfriend, and they bring up, Hey, you did this to hurt me. The, someone that invalidates their immediate response is going to be maybe bring up something that they did. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, but you did this or, or try and make excuses. Well, I only did this because of mm-hmm. this and and what you're doing is is just trying to to take the attention off of what's going on and you're not actually trying to solve the conflict you're just trying to to invalidate to to make it sound like it's not that big of a deal and then the last one is to negatively interpret and you can see this in, in a lot of different ways where like let's say for example me and Lauren like I, I actually withdraw a lot with Lauren which people that know me would probably be surprised by that because I don't withdraw in other kind of like work relationships or friendships. But for some reason with Lauren, my, like my tendency is to just like withdraw. And she sees a lot of that as just that, that I don't care. Mm-hmm. She negatively interprets the silence as that, Hey, I, Josh just doesn't care about our relationship. He, he doesn't want to like improve on these things, get these things better. And that's, that's not my heart behind that. And so, so like negatively interpret is to to hear what someone else is saying and immediately take take that as like oh this is like the worst case scenario or this is oh this is what they mean when they say this and kind of like you can twist and manipulate either people's words or even their lack of words so all that to say to give you those categories think about in your family relationships in your friendships with your roommates with a boyfriend or girlfriend, when conflict does come, and I'm really glad that Joanna said that like conflict will come. Like if it doesn't, if conflict never happens in a relationship that you've had for a while, 
whether that's a friendship or, or a romantic relationship, I get really nervous. Like that scares me actually. Like conflict is a normal part of a relationship. So when that conflict comes, start to start to think, hey, here's here's where I run to when that conflict comes. Here's what I need you not to do. I need you not to think, oh, this is what the other person, oh, wow, they're such a escalator or with, they withdraw. Don't just think about yourself, draw a bubble around yourself and think, hey, here's where I tend to go to in conflict. Okay, maybe if I withdraw, maybe I need to to be a little more proactive. Maybe I need to sit in that a little more and, and, and start to to just think of ways that you can can like turn turn like some of those negative influences and, and become a more healthy communicator and be more healthy in conflict. That is very well spoken. Thank you. I didn't know any of those four. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. That's like merge 101 right there. And so, like we've said, a lot of the, the conflict we do have comes from kind of like past baggage, whether it's from past relationships, whether it's just family of origin. And so a huge thing that college students can be doing right now is just identifying, hey, what it, what is some of the baggage that that kind of I'm bringing into these relationships. Obviously, obviously a big one is anyone that comes from like broken families or families that have been separated or or divorced. And so if that's some of the baggage that that probably a, a decent amount of these college students come in with, how would you like consult them? How would you encourage them as they think about future marriages and future relationships? Uh, I think one big one is just because that plays such a significant role in somebody's life, kind of no matter what time period in your life that a broken family, divorced parent situation has happened, uh, you really need someone to come alongside you to help guide you through thinking and processing those things, whether that be like a legit certified counselor of some sort, or even, um, you know, somebody in the church, like a pastor and uh, their spouse to sit down and like kind of talk with you through something, but just somebody who has uh, knowledge on both that subject and also how to help people process, grieve, heal, um, because the significance of like a life event like that is one, it's not something that's fun at all to try to take on your own, but that is also something that I, I don't think anybody can like actually process through on their own. And so I would just say, hey, if that is you, um, and especially if you have not done this before, reach out to somebody and just begin a conversation with it. That's really scary to do. Um, it's really vulnerable. It takes up some time and emotional effort. Um, but I think that can be one of the biggest life-giving steps that you can take that hopefully ends up being kind of like a lifetime thing where you can learn to continue processing uh, those wounds uh, as different things flare up in your life because of that family background. That's good. That's really good. Yeah. Uh, we are the way that we are and we do the things that we do because of life events that have happened and because of the ways that we have been raised. And I mean, I cannot stress that enough how much our 
childhood impacts who we are today. And so um, every family is going to be broken in different ways. Um, there, I, I remember, um, I was close to a couple back in my, my hometown in college, um, in the, the crew movement that was there, but it was this amazing couple. She was a counselor. Um, he like did some pastoral work. They were awesome. Um, they adopted a couple of kids and she made this comment one time and she said, man, my kids are just, they're going to be in counseling because of us one day. And I was sitting there thinking, no, like they look like the most amazing couple. Like I love the way that they're raising their kids, just being able to, to watch from afar. But I've thought about that multiple times over the last few years. And yeah, I mean, every family is going to have their things that they have to work through. And I mean, yeah, specifically if, if you have divorce in your past and um, whether or not it happened when you were younger or when you were 18 or it's happening now, um, whether or not you remember it or, or you do, that is going to impact the way that you think about marriage, the way that you think about family dynamics. And so the greatest thing that, that I want to stress to you guys is no matter what has happened with your experience of marriage or the household or family dynamics, figure out what the biblical framework is for that and what the Lord desires for that and for you and for marriage and for parents, fathers, mothers, children, and and ask the Lord for help in that, you know, and then go to people who can who can help you and speak wisdom into that. But but find that framework and what the Lord says and then you know, look to that as your guiding principle for, okay, what, what can the future look like then? Um, especially if, if you haven't really had that, um, within your own household growing up, if you haven't had that modeled for you. Um, and so surround yourself with people who can speak into that, uh, surround yourself with just Jesus loving couples that can model that. Um, but don't neglect uh, the things that have happened, work through them because they are going to impact you whether or not you you recognize it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, and, and also on the, on the flip side of that, that's really good. Like, I, I agree with all of that. But on the other side of that, know that there is hope and that your mm -hmm. baggage and your hurt and the situation you come from is not your destiny mm -hmm. and it's not your future and it doesn't dictate what your marriage will look like or what your relationships will look like. And that is the hope that we have in Christ that he can redeem any situation and that, um, he is strong enough to, to help us make real life change and to help us have healthy relationships with people and break patterns of hurt that we've seen in our past. And so lean into Christ for that and know that there is hope and that just because this is something that happened to you, that it will not dictate what the rest of your life looks like and that it may feel like it does right now because that is a huge situation to walk away from and to feel like you're dealing with by yourself but know that you're not and know that 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 is why Christ came is to redeem those things um, and that if we're in Christ we have hope in that and that if we are leaning into him that he can actually change those things and it's a slow thing and it's a difficult thing and it may be something that you work through for the rest of your life um but he promises to stay beside us through all of it um so know that there there's hope and don't define yourself by your baggage um and we all have baggage in different ways um so it may not be from a broken family but it might be from something else like we are all carrying something into our marriage and that's why it's so 
important to lean into Christ because um, when the rubber hits the road, he's going to be one of the only unifying factors that is going to help you work through those baggage those baggages and actually move towards each other um, in this love that he calls us to, which is a love that none of us can produce by ourselves. And so that's why a relationship that is deep and abiding with the Lord is so important in marriage. That's really good. Um, Cause I know a lot of people out there can probably believe the lie. If you've just seen generational patterns of broken families and divorce, just as easy to think, well, I'm destined to just continue those generational patterns. And, and so I love that you combated that and said, Hey, you don't have to like, like God's, God's vision for marriage is a covenant that's, that doesn't break because it's a picture, like we said last week of his love for us that, that doesn't break no matter what we do. And so what, what are some other lies that, that we kind of hear when it comes to marriage things, and this is where we can end the podcast in a few minutes, like lies that, that people maybe in college hear or believe when it comes to a future marriage. Um, I, I feel like if you have listened to any podcast or read any book about marriage or relationships, you've heard this before, but we're going to say it because it's so true. Marriage doesn't fix your problems. Um, if you, go into marriage with a pornography addiction, it's still an addiction. Like it, it will still be there. <laughs> um, that there are heart issues deeply rooted that have um, impacted the, the way that you um, just go about things. And if, if you have not taken the time to deal with that, then those roots are still going to be there. And, and if you are lonely, um, marriage is not going to fix loneliness. Again, these are deeper heart issues that, um, marriage will not fix. And I think the lie that our culture has believed is that, you know, oh, marriage is the ultimate end goal. And once you get married, then that's when your life starts. And that's when, um, everything is, is easy because, you know, you have someone else to hold on to and, um, you know, you, you can do things together. It, it's the, the ultimate goal. So after that, you'll be fine, but that's just not, that's not the reality. That's not, um, you know, scripture doesn't say that your problems are going to be solved once you get married. <laughs> um, in fact, I'm sure y'all can speak into this, but they probably are magnified. So, um, yeah. Anyone want to add to that? Yeah, I would, I, yeah. I would say that exact same thing. Marriage, marriage is actually a, a crucible. Like instead of fixing your problems, it just, it just reveals more problems that were already there that maybe were hiding under, under the surface. And so, which, you can either view as a bad thing where it's like, oh man, I'm way, <laughs> like I got married. I'm like, I am way more selfish yeah. than I thought. But I don't think God wants us to view it as a bad thing. I think he wants to use marriage. And and again, this can be said about close relationships. If you're living mm -hmm. in close relationship with community, like you're going to see some of these same things that you're going to, it's going to reveal some of your your pride, your, your selfishness, some of these these areas that maybe you, wouldn't understand or know, uh, if you were living by yourself. And I think what God, God wants us to see those and those to be revealed so that we could start to bring those to him and find that healing that, that we talk about. And so if, if your sin and your, your issues and your selfishness never comes to the light, you won't ever find healing. And so 
marriage is a great example. And, and kids that is actually even like a whole nother level. Holy cow. <laughs> you realize that you're so selfish. Um, and I, and I think that's a way just to, to bring those to the Lord and bring those to the light and say, okay, wow. The, the depths of my heart are way dirtier than, than I, than I even thought it was. Help me Jesus by the power of your Holy spirit to, to grow in that and to, and to be more selfless like, like Jesus is. Yeah, that ex- the exposure to those things is supposed to be a good thing. Um, something that I, I will, one, I have, I felt that like immediately, literally, I've only been married two months and it's like, whoa, that's crazy how immediate it is. Um, and something else that I've also experienced just within two months of marriage is uh, whenever we talk about, okay, singleness as there's this gift um, or, or many gifts in a single life and there are many gifts in a marriage life and they're different. Um, experiencing the difference and seeing now in hindsight, even the awesomeness of some of those gifts from uh, singleness is it makes me, which I feel like I actually valued those pretty well. Um, Just the relationships I had with my friends and different things like that. Uh, It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. But looking back, I'm like, gosh, honestly, I think I may have even then put the idea of what the life of marriage looks like on a pedestal that I thought I had knocked down. I thought I had pretty well knocked down that marriage pedestal. Um, and I, and now I love being married. KT is my best friend. It is so much fun. And at the same time, there are things about this single life that I was not being aware of, I think to the degree that I could have been as to how life giving they are. And so that lie that is, like I have discovered so permeating of just whatever the marriage life is, that actually is the next level up, which we've talked about before in previous podcasts. Um, but it's, it's really good and it's really awesome. Uh, but don't let it steal from the joy and the fullness of life that you can have, uh, while you're preparing for marriage, whether that's near on the horizon or not really at the horizon at all, but it's something that you, um, that you desire. That's good. Well, the the last lie that we'll talk about for sake of time is the one I hear a lot or, and even if we wouldn't say it quite like this, it's it, whenever we talk about marriage or if you're meeting up with a, some, some people that are engaged and looking towards marriage, like sex comes up all the time and you start to get this feeling that, oh, marriage must all be about sex. And, and hear me out. Like, like Jacob said, Sex is one of the gifts that comes with with a covenant relationship, and it's a really sweet gift, and it's a great gift. But I think our culture and the church has made it this like ultimate gift that oh, marriage is ultimately about sex. And if that's your view of of marriage, like I've got to say, it, you're going to be disappointed because it's such a small piece of the relationship, and like the vast majority of, of your marriage is actually about this, this relationship and growing it in all these different ways. And sex does fit in to that, but it's just one piece of this much larger, like puzzle as, as you're trying to come together as one. Um, and so when we make marriage all about sex, I feel like we're setting up couples for, for failure and, and disaster because they were like, oh, well, you didn't grow in the ways that you communicated together. You didn't grow in the ways that you like did all these other things together and, 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 
if you're if you're not practicing growing and growing this relationship in all these other good ways and you're only thinking about sex, like you're gonna be very disappointed. Yeah. And I, I would even argue that all of those other things that you just mentioned actually add value and enhance the sexual part of your relationship. And I think it can, a lot of people think it's almost the other way around. Whenever you add sex into the relationship, that's what enhances it. But the type of intimacy that's meant to be had in this like sexual engagement with your spouse, um, it, whenever all those other things are really in place and you're gleaning a lot of life together from that, it actually makes that part better. Uh, and so the things that you spend more time on actually holds more weight than the sexual part. And so it, it's just like a complete flip almost. Yeah. And I'd argue that also building your marriage around sex makes actually having sex with your partner, this like weird transactional thing where you are spending the other parts of your marriage just with the lens of if I do this for this person, then maybe they will have sex with me. And that's not what marriage is about. And then it makes all these other parts of our marriage that are meant to be so life-giving and actually bring you together with your spouse. Um, it twists that into this like kind of, you, you're doing it now with intentions that are not purely just to show the love of Christ to your partner. They are to get something from them and if that is not sustainable for a relationship um and it makes you see this your partner someone that god has given you to to love and to show his love to um and show this marriage relation to the world you're now looking at your partner as someone that can just give you something and is not really good for anything else um and someone that you give things to so that you can get something from them and that just makes that relationship so shallow and so trivial. And I think it takes all of the joy that God intended for not just sex in your marriage, but all of the rest of it. Like he, he promises and intends joy and growth and love in all these other places. But marriage is not just about that one little part that is a gift. Don't get me wrong, but God intends for us to find joy in all these other parts of our marriage. Um, and if we just, forget about all of those. We actually are seeing this really shallow view of what marriage is and this really shallow view of who our partner is. And then we're not really loving them well or even seeing them as a person who the Lord loves and cares about. And I think it takes away so much of the meaning of what a covenant relationship actually looks like. Yeah. When I first got married, I actually was given a book uh, that basically said, Husbands, do the dishes so that your wife will have sex with you. Wives, have sex with your husband so that they'll do the dishes. And that, and it's a Christian book. And I was get, given given to every couple that just got married. And it's called Sheet Music. If anyone gives it to you, burn it. I give you permission to throw it away because that is not a healthy view of sex in marriage like Joanna's talking about. But if you need some good resources uh, that some good books that you can read, whether you're single or dating, like in college, like, please, we've talked about it on this podcast before. Please go buy and read the meaning of marriage. My personal opinion is that it's the best book that's ever been written on marriage. Okay. Hot take. (laughs) Go buy loveology by John Mark Comer. 
Another great one. What's this last one you put in? Yeah, it's called How We Love by Mylan and Kay Yurkovich. Um, it's a little outdated. It was written in, I think, like the early 2000s, 2006. Um, but the psychology aspect of it was kind of like what you were talking about, um, Josh, with uh, the different, uh, you didn't use attachment styles. What were you like talking about? Conflict styles. Yeah. yeah. Um, they get into that a little bit in that book. It's written by a husband and wife and their counselors. And um, yeah, they just get into different ways that people react based on just childhood trauma. <laughs> um, so that was the, that was really helpful. Um just for relationships in my life. Um, but yeah, Loveology. Guys, John Mark Homer. I we am love, on the John Mark Homer uh, train. Me too. I, it's all I, I listen to it. these days. But he puts those things in a non-cheesy way, whereas I feel like a lot of dating books are really cheesy. He also writes in a way that's so, so easy good. to read. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Well, if you need more resources or you want to talk, again, we're, we're always here. This is our last episode of the season, but we've actually been been in the lab brainstorming what season four is going to look like. Those won't come out until after Labor Day in September. And so you're going to have to wait just a few weeks. And so until then, grace and peace. peace.